Casper, the friendly mattress. Oh, yeah, well, that's, uh, I might be dating myself. That's a cartoon from the 40s. But Casper is an incredible mattress. My dog Izzy, who's big, could sleep next to me, and I don't feel it, and he doesn't feel it. What could be better? Casper mattresses are obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. Just the right amount of sink and bounce. They use two technologies of latex foam and memory foam. Casper mattress has a risk-free trial and return policy. You can sleep on a Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Mattresses are made in America, and they're $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. Comparing that to industry averages, that's an outstanding price point. To get $50 off towards any Casper mattress, visit www.casper.com Steinberg and use the promo code Steinberg. Terms and conditions apply. I know, but I've been around a long time. Long enough to know. I'm talking to Phil Rosenthal, who does so many things that I don't even know where to start. So let's start with Everybody Loves Raymond. Well, t- tell me about yeah. how uh, Everybody Loves Raymond started. So, yeah. Uh, and, and tell me how you met... Uh, Raymond? Raymond. Thank okay. You. <laughs> uh, Ray had been a stand-up for 12 years. He, he, he was trying to get on Letterman. He'd even done a shot on The Tonight Show with Johnny. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah so Which was great. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, like a, like 90% of the time, nothing happened. I guess at this time, the mid-90s, the show really to get on for a comedian was Letterman. Yes. And he gets he finally gets on, and after six minutes, Letterman says there should be a show for that guy. And they set about looking for someone to create a show for yes. this Ray Romano fellow. Yes. Letterman had a production deal at CBS. Right. I had been writing in sitcoms after transitioning from acting mm-hmm. to writing. And I'd been working in sitcoms here for about five years. And they liked my material. And they liked other people's material, too. And they set up uh, interviews for Ray. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. We're looking for comedians to write for or, or mm-hmm. funny people at all or mm-hmm. actors. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for writers. Mm-hmm. And so they make these little shit about, you yes. know, I met Ray at Arts Deli. Wow, at Arts Deli. Yeah, where wow. every sandwich of is a work of art. A work of art. <laughs> yeah. And he was telling me about his uh, crazy Italian family. I was telling him about my Fakak, the Jewish family. Yes. It turns out we're not so different. <laughs> All problems are solved with food. Yes. And the mother never leaves you alone. <laughs> very similar. It's very similar. Absolutely. And I don't even think I was his first choice, but... The other guy didn't work out for whatever reason, and I, oh, I was there. That's so great. And he goes, uh, so what's the show going to be? I said, I don't know. Well, tell me about yourself. And he goes, I got, uh, I don't know. I'm from Queens. I got twin boys and older daughter. Uh, my parents lived close by. They were always bothering me. I got an older brother. He's a police sergeant. He touches every bite of food to his gym before he eats it. He's very jealous of me, and uh, he's divorced. And uh, you know, he saw my Cable Ace Award for comedy, yeah. and he picked it up the other day. He goes, never ends for Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. And I said, well, oh my God. there doesn't seem like there's anything there we can use. <laughs> wow. And what I didn't know about the personalities of the characters, like the parents and stuff, I filled in with mine. Sure. Of course, Jewish, Italian, very simple. It's the same. Yeah, it's the and same. And I said, I think that's the show. He goes, what do you mean? I said, 
why not? You never acted before. I'm not going to make you a gay astronaut from Cleveland. I'm going to make you. Why don't we make it close to you? I'd learn from seeing Roseanne and yeah. Seinfeld and yeah. seeing the, these the things. that yeah. goes, can we do a show like that where where I just sit in a diner and talk to my comedian friends and we we just talk? First of all, there is that show. <laughs> Second of all, I don't know how to write that show. Yes, I'm not that good a joke writer. I'm good at life, situational, yeah, comedy, yes. Set in real life, not crazy. Yes. I liked The Honeymooners. I liked yes. All in the Family and The Odd Couple and, and yeah. uh, Roseanne even and The Cosby Show of the 80s. Yeah. I have to say of the 80s. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's what I loved. And, I, and, and, you know, as much as he wanted to be a comedian in the show, mainly because he has this innate sense for truth and realism. Yes. Beyond what I even was aspiring to. Like, for instance, I know that the number one job in the sitcom is to be funny. And I will stretch it a little bit, the reality, to yeah. make it funny. He didn't want to stretch it at all. Oh. oh like, we're, we're drinking coffee now, right? Yes. So, so we'd have a bit where his wife's cooking is so terrible, even the coffee is uh, undrinkable. How can you screw it up? It comes from a machine. How can you, even this she makes, he goes, I don't think I can do it. So why not? I don't really drink coffee. I said, <laughs> Okay, Ray, here we go. Listen, watch. <laughs> it's TV. Yeah. In the cup, anything you want. Water. Anything yes. you want. Yes. Something you love. <laughs> Something that tastes bad. Anything to get you through this, this script that we wrote. <laughs> uh, they're not going to buy it. Okay, so that sounds insane, right? So he needed but everything to be real. At right? first. At first. At yeah. first. Yes. And, and you know what? You think it's idiotic, but it's the method. He sure. doesn't even know what he's saying, but it's yes. Yes. he's going for the purest form of truth that there is. Yes. And God bless him. Yeah. So later, as he's at my job was yes. to just nudge him in the direction of trying on new things. Right? Yes. So episode four or five, there's coffee comes in again. We weren't even thinking it was just there. Yeah. And he goes, uh, we doing this? And I said, Oh, I'm sorry, Ray, you want to take it on? He goes, uh, he's feeling a little co more comfortable now because uh, at some point, I guess I have to start acting. <laughs> <laughs> so he drank the coffee. <laughs> a revelation. Yes. Yeah. And it was from that from that yeah. everything. And yeah. now look at him. He's working with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> yes. He's a great actor. Yes. And I'm sure Scorsese gives real coffee on the set when I'm they're sure doing he doesn't character. give you a smash in the face. It looks <laughs> no. like it's unbelievable what they do on that show. <laughs> yeah. But Scorsese never heard of Ray before Ray's audition. <laughs> That's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Never heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think he's in the business, Mr. Scorsese. Well, you see, yeah, movie people yes. are, are very look condescending towards television people, and especially right. comedy television people, especially sitcoms. I directed a lot of sitcoms, Designing Women. Yes, yeah. and you would take your notes in Hebrew. I did. Yes. So that people I, wouldn't know. Yes. This, I know this about that, you. I that, love that fact. That was so great that you got that. I don't even remember telling you that, but you must. I did tell it. It's one kind point. of legend, actually, yeah. in, in certain circles. For those of you listening who don't know this, <laughs> Mr. Steinberg, if he's at an audition, if you're auditioning for him, he's going to take notes on you in Hebrew. Why? Because probably somebody saw your notes in English it, once, right? Did. Yes, yes. Someone that... <laughs> Someone that was more powerful than me yeah. who could hire me and fire me. What did you write? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I, I said, not funny, not pretty. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
and, and you wrote it about Faye Dunaway. <laughs> that was that was terrible to do. <laughs> but she was pretty. I don't want to yes. just. Yeah, she was pretty. Yeah, but, but not wait, funny. I think we saw her sitcom. I directed that sitcom. Is that true? Absolutely. How about that for a faux pas? <laughs> you don't even know that. You couldn't even make her funny. No. Les Moonves gave me an overall deal at Warner Brothers. I was sort of a director directing a lot in those days. I think it was called It Had to Be You. And Robert Urich was the love interest. Great. But Urich was the nicest, most wonderful man, a great actor, you know, yes. an athlete. And oh, he was just, he was great guy. just wonderful. And every show that we did with Faye, he would take me aside. He said, David, we shouldn't be here. <laughs> we, we don't need to be suffering like this. Wow. Because Faye drove everyone crazy. How many episodes? We ended up doing about eight or nine episodes. Which can feel like a lifetime. Oh, oh it, one episode with Faye yes. was a lifetime. Because you're there all hours, right? When Trying to came, fix when, it. When, when she came on the set the first time, you know, she was very nice, very happy yes. to get me at that time. I was sort of working a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, well, should we look at the script? He said, well, before we look at the script, do you know what I'm wearing? And I said, well, it could be whatever you want. Tell me what you want to be wearing. He said, well, I like Calvin Klein and I like uh, Ralph Lauren. I said, well, okay, talk to the wardrobe person. <laughs> like it's another language to me, Calvin yes. Klein. I knew it, knew where they were. And she said, no, 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 you, you, you just tell him to send me the, the clothes that I like to wear. And anyway, I said, okay. And she walked away. And then I started to talk to Robert Urich. And I, Robert said, what was she talking to you about? I said, clothes, you know, yeah. Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren, all women are concerned about that. And then Faye's at the phone on the set. Yeah. She said, David, come here, come here. She gives me the phone. Yeah. I said, Calvin, this is, <laughs> this is David Steinberg. That's the level she was working at. Yeah. Wow. And to Calvin, he must have thought I was her accountant or something. You know, he didn't know anyone who was directing comedy that would be a David Steinberg. Right. And I said, I'm director. And he, Calvin said to me, is she near? Ah. Uh, <laughs> are we alone? I said, yeah. uh, I said uh, uh, pretty far away. I don't know if she could uh, read my lips, but I'm a little nervous about saying anything. Yes. So Calvin said, she'll drive you crazy. She's going to make you crazy. So I said, do you know what she wants? She said, it doesn't matter. Whatever I give her, she'll send back, and she'll send back, and she'll give it, send oh back to me. I said, well, <laughs> do you want to take care of this? He said, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, just a suggestion. Have you tried Ralph Lauren from Calvin Klein? <laughs> they were both the hottest guys in the country. Why don't really? you bother him for a while? <laughs> exactly. You know, Ray was the exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> well, after we did the show... I think in two, the second show, there was a, a wonderful executive, Tim Flack. Did you know Tim Flack? He was a CBS yes. guy. Just a yes. terrific, great sense of humor. He was obsessed with Faye Dunn and wanted okay. to have her on the show. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so I did uh, you know, a run-through, and uh, we went on the air. And the, This was with an audience. Yeah. It was a four-camera film yeah. show. So after the third show, yeah. and Les Moonves, uh, to his credit when I didn't want to do it because I didn't see how this was going to work. Yeah. They kept on making it a better offer all the time. She wanted me to direct her. And she wasn't nasty to me in any way. She was just an eccentric person. Right. So after the third or fourth show, there's a big meeting and Les Moonves and Faye's manager and they wanted me to say, David, you've got you to you warm her up in some way. 
the audience isn't responding to her. So I said, I said you yes, know. because she shouldn't be in a sitcom. <laughs> exactly. And I want to say. This is the lady from yeah, Bonnie and yeah. Clyde and Network. Exactly. And I'm a director. I'm not God. <laughs> so I don't know if I can move her in that direction. So she said, you'll, you'll think of something. David, you're, you're a genius. You'll think of something. And I said, okay. We finish. I call the writers. And I say, Puppies. I want puppies in the show. Fantastic. We're, we're going to give Faye puppies. Great. And that will warm her up. And uh, and eventually it just, people realized a comedy. And with Mommy Dearest. With Mommy Dearest. Is not going to work. Because if this were a movie that I was directing Faye Dunaway in, and a comedy, she could have killed that. She would have been so comfortable. But four camera film is a whole different bird. Basically, you have to get in front of an audience quicker than you're prepared for it. It's it's brutal to anyone who tries it. So this wasn't really about Faye Dunaway's lack of talent. It was about adjusting to an entirely new form. Not easy. I might be able to top you for most strange casting in a sitcom because my first job when I got here in 1989 was I got hired uh, as a baby writer on the Robert Mitchum sitcom. <laughs> oh my god. That is that greatest Faye Dunaway. It, who, almost. Who is more humorless than Robert Mitchum? A great actor. Yes. Probably got a great sense of humor off camera, maybe yes. not, but you wouldn't put him on camera in a sitcom. So in 1989 there were still TV movies, right? Oh. Oh. And this was a TV movie where Robert Mitchum played a homeless man who lived in a refrigerator box in Central Park. You with me? (laughs) Three recently orphaned children come upon the refrigerator box and look inside. It's Robert Mitchum. Will you pretend to be our grandpa? (laughs) So we're not split up and put into separate foster homes in exchange for which you'll have a roof over your head and Robert Mitchum takes this job. Okay. It was called A Family for Joe. Okay? Now, this was the classification for this type of TV movie. Yes. There was a word for this kind of TV movie. It was called A Warmody. A Warmody. Yes. Like a dramedy. A Warmody. A Warmody. Not funny. Not funny. So it's not a comedy. Yes. Not a drama because nothing dramatic is happening. Just a lukewarm bath of nothing. Shit. <laughs> this thing became the highest testing anything in NBC history. I'm not kidding. Higher than Cheers, higher than the Cosby show of the 80s. Well, wow. so this thing was beloved. So you can't leave this alone. There has to be a backdoor pilot to a series. Oh, God. So, what is the series? Well, there is no Warmody series unless you're going to do an hour. Robert Mitchum doesn't want to do an hour-long thing. No, no, no. What do these geniuses say? Half-hour sitcom in front of a live audience. Oh, my God. <laughs> with Robert with, Mitchum. With Robert Mitchum. Who had never been a comedy anything. Enter schmucko me <laughs> into the Hollywood scene. <laughs> I could do it. Well, I want to do it. I want to do anything. I'm a starving actor, and now I'm a writer, and now I was go- I went from eating tuna fish for dinner to eating whatever I want. 
<laughs> and then that... my partner at the time and I, Oliver Goldstick and I, we wrote a spec script or two together, and we got. This was just where we were at the moment that they needed writers for Robert Mitchum. And so we're excited to go. And we come in the first day in pre-production. And the other writers, this is how I know, this may not be what you thought it was, Hollywood. (laughs) The the other writers who are all senior to us, I'm like, it's kind of cool that we're going to meet Robert Mitchum. And they say, who is that? Really? Really. Oh, God. I'm like, what do you mean, yes. who is that? I'm like, Night of the Hunter. You never saw. What is that? What? I said, you got to come over tonight. I have a VHS of Night of the Hunter. I swear to God, this is yeah. true. They came over. This is undeniably, undisputably, one of the great S- movies of all time. Scariest movie. Absolutely. You can't even argue. No. They laughed at it. You have to you have to suspend a little disbelief yeah. as you want to when yes. watching this brilliant work of art. Yes. And they, they snickered at me as they were living like great great movie, Phil. <laughs> like I'm an idiot. Wow. And I thought, oh, I'm in a world of shit. I'm a, <laughs> yes, this is, is and I actually held out hope that even in that crazy scenario I just gave you of, of Robert yes. Mitchum. What if he was allowed to be Robert Mitchum? What if he playing on his persona? <clears throat> of hating kids and dogs. Yes. Yeah. He gets that gig, and then he's like, remember Uncle Charlie and my, my three sons? Yes. <laughs> like, he, he's a gruff man Yes. In a, in a, in a domestic situation. It, there's a possibility it could be funny. Here's how it wasn't. Okay. First episode, first scene in front of the audience, there's a, a stage, of, it looks like a domestic setting of, a, of the Brady Bunch house, like every other house. <laughs> No one's on the set. You hear ding dong. You hear off stage. I'll get it. It's Robert Mitchum. <laughs> Kitchen door swings open. He comes across the stage. He's wearing an apron with flowers on it. And he stops at the kitchen table on his way to the door to adjust the flowers on the kitchen table. That's funny. The end. Show's dead right there. My yeah. grandmother would tell you that's not. That's it's ridiculous. They've castrated him immediately. Yes. Why? Yeah. Because of the deadliest word in the business, likable. Likable. We've got to make him likable. Exactly. See, so, that was Faye Dunaway. That's, I gave her the puppies. Yes. Didn't work. It can't. He did yeah. whatever oh. you told him to do. He yes. did not care about what he was wearing. He yes. did not care about... He, he, said, he actually said this to me. I'm a plumber. I come in. I do my job. I get paid. I go home. It's great. It's exactly what it should be. And he did it. He nailed it. He never, ever went up on a line. He was completely prepared at all times. It was, I felt bad for him because he was doing crap. It's amazing how blind people could be about who should do what. Robert Mitchum in a comedy, Faye Dunaway in a comedy. I mean, you could see where it might work. but... But the stupidity of just having a name. Yes, right. This is, drives the whole yes, that, planet. That will make the difference. Just what they call the Q factor. Yes. We've heard of him, so they're going to turn the dial to the right <laughs> exactly. when they're testing it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Just because they've heard of him. <laughs> yes. So that's why that person gets cast. Yes. Are they right for the part? No. Yes. Doesn't yeah. matter. If you're, if you're well-known in television in those days, especially, yes. you're, we'll take you and we'll make something of it. But it seems like famous is the only thing that matters in many areas of our lives now. Yes. Yes. Now it's bigger than it was even then. Yeah. When we were all starting out. Yeah. So in, in Everybody Loves Raymond, so 
Brad Garrett walks in. Yes, and we had we had imagined because Ray told me about his older brother who was jealous of him. One reason he was jealous was because he was shorter than his younger brother. Oh, that's interesting. So I'm thinking that's the way to go. Yes. You instantly get why an older brother would be jealous of a younger brother. Yes. Because he's shorter than his younger brother. <laughs> and then a talking tree walked in the room. Yeah. So one of the tallest people, I, I directed him in Mad About You, and I, had, I wanted to stand on a chair just yes. to talk to him. We would call him the, the tallest Jew in captivity. <laughs> yes. Six foot nine, I yeah. believe. Yes. And couldn't play basketball. That was the Jewish part. On the other hand. Yeah. Peter Boyle yes. and I played one-on-one -on -one basketball, <clears throat> in fact, because Peter Boyle came through uh, Chicago. Second City? Yeah, 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 and he got into Second City because of me. Wow. And he was in, in my company. And then we went and played basketball at the Y almost every Friday, and he was the most adorable person. Well, that was, by the way, Les Moonves's idea. So there you to go. To get Peter Boyle To get Peter Boyle, because I didn't know Peter Boyle would even... Dane to read for a sitcom yes. to even want to do a sitcom. He, and, and Les said, what about Peter Boyle for that part? I'm like, I don't think you say no to Peter Boyle. No, great. So that was that. Yes, and you get the benefit of a very generous person. He was a one, just so... People don't know uh, his real story. He studied to be a monk. Yes. Before Second City. Yes, yes. Uh, he, I said, Why, why'd you give that up? He goes, not enough girls stay. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Monica, was Monica in this show? She certainly wasn't your wife when she was in the show. There's actually a pretty interesting story how she got the part. She slept Mon with the Monica. producer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I want to say that. It's okay. Monica is your wife, and she was in the show. So when you yes. met her. Yes. I saw her in a play mm -hmm. in 1986. Oh. I went to Hofstra University. She transferred into Hofstra University after I graduated. I went to see a play by kids who now graduated that I knew from then, yeah. who knew me and were in school with her. Yeah. So crossover. Mm -hmm. I go to see the show. Who's that girl? I say, she's funny. I had no ulterior motives. I just was like, that. tell that girl she's funny. But you were funny. Was. But then... <laughs> Two weeks later, by coincidence, I'm walking. You ever go to the Ninth Avenue Food Fair? No. They shut off Ninth Avenue in New York from yes. 37th to 57th. All the ethnic food stores, they come out onto the street, and yes. there's the Greeks are roasting lambs on spits, you know, outside yeah. on Ninth Avenue. Yeah. It's a great, I think it's in June. I recommend this to people. <laughs> okay. Not just for the food, but listen to what happened. Yes. I'm walking down the street, and here comes this girl. The girl I saw, the funny girl. So. And she's walking with a mutual friend of ours. And I'm eating a rib and I'm dripping on myself. <laughs> we bump into each other. Oh, hello. Oh, you're the funny. I'm a big fan of yours. That's the first thing I said to her. And she says, I'm a big fan of yours too. Ooh. Which was a lie. <laughs> I thought, here, she'd heard about me at Hofstra. She's seen me at Hofstra. I was a big deal at Hofstra. Yeah. You were on stage and Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I oh. was huge. <laughs> <laughs> then I then I graduated, came to New York. Guess what? Nobody cared. <laughs> and, you, yeah, but you owned Hofstra. And Clarkstown North High School, there were no bigger stars. <laughs> so, of course, I'm like, wow, sure, she has taste. <laughs> <laughs> All, the whole thing is built on a lie. The whole thing. She never saw me. I don't know what she wanted. I think she wanted the rib. A couple of weeks after that, we're doing a play at Columbia Grad School. And there's this part for a funny girl. And I say, how about that girl? Again, I'm not thinking of anything other than she's funny. Yeah, sure. I swear to you. 
Sure. You know what it's like, though, when you're in the school play or any play, any production <laughs> with somebody, you get to know them very well and you get yes. to. And that's probably why we go into this, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is to meet some Meet someone like and Monica. one thing led to another. And before I know it, she took advantage of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you go to Ninth Avenue Food Fair. You were already with we, Monica. Yeah, so, so, yes, we had been married for a while. Season one came uh, an episode where Robert needed a date. And I would never, you got to believe me, I would never foist my wife on the public. It's not, it f- feels like what it is. Yes. <laughs> How about my wife yeah, for yeah. this? Yes. Someone at work, some, one of the other writers who had seen her in other things, said, what about Monica for this? Yeah. And I said, I don't feel right about it. Yeah. And they said, well, why don't you have her read with Brad and see if it's so she read like other people. And it was a small part to begin with. It was just a date for Robert that was going to be in one scene at the beginning, one scene at the end. And she scored. And they were charming together. Wow. And so we had an up and down kind of love life for them. And we had him dating other people and he'd break up with Monica. And then the audience liked when they got back together and broke up again. And yeah, then, yeah. And then season seven, we didn't know what to do with the show. We were like run out, running out of ideas. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, you, yeah. you've covered everything at that covered point. Covered everything. So yeah. what can we do in season seven to just breathe some new life? Well, the parents, what they can't, they're not going to change. Ray and Deborah, where are they going? Yes, you know, right. what's going to happen to them? To We don't want to change what the show is. The only character who can be changed is Robert. And yet we don't want him to become like a winner all of a sudden, which he was actually afraid of. If he gets married, he says, isn't he going to be, like, happy? And I said, that's the beauty of Robert? No. No. (laughs) You can have everything that Raymond has. You can have more boys than Raymond. (laughs) Mom's still going to like Raymond better. Yes. (laughs) And once we figured that out, we thought, who's he going to marry? Well, it's got to be Amy. That's Monica. And once we figured that out, we could have her family. So new stories could come. So her family was... Fred Willard, also oh, Second City, Second right? Second City, absolutely. A brilliant actor named Georgia Engel. Wow. Right? She's Who's as good as they as get. As good as anyone, yeah. And right? That, and the Deceptively boys. brilliant. Yes. And Chris Elliott was her brother. So wow. we win because now we have episodes with this whole other, and we made them like religious people to contrast <laughs> with our people. Yes. That's and so it just in, in yeah. used another year and a half or two of, yes. in, of the show. Yes. So... Phil, tell me about Russia. So the the film that you did, <laughs> what was it called, the film on Russia? Exporting Raymond. Exporting Raymond. It's on Netflix now, by the way. Anyone listening to this, Exporting Raymond will make you laugh all the way through it. It is so funny. Thank you. It is real. You couldn't you have written you, you, like you that. can't write characters like <laughs> no, this. And the, no. the you know how it started? The head of, the, of a studio called me in. It was right after the TV show ended. Called me in to tell me about a movie I might want to write. And he said, we started the sitcom business in Russia. The sitcom as a form didn't exist yes. until The Nanny. And there were things like that there's a butler in that show, and they don't have butlers in Russia. Yes. But they did it, and the, everyone laughed, and yes. so it became a hit. And then Married with Children became yeah. a hit. But he says, the people we've met there, they come from all over, like different jobs, like scientists and the closest thing we got in television terms was, was soap operas. They're working yeah. on the sitcoms. I said, why yeah. soap operas? I, he says, because they're a half hour. <laughs> so if you can know how to write a half hour of something, you, you've got you could be a sitcom writer. Yes. Wow. 
How would you like to go, he says, observe how we work with them, come back and write a movie mm -hmm. about a showrunner who goes over there to have a show translated? And I said, well, that could be good, but if the things you're telling me are true, why not bring a camera crew over and just film what would really happen? So and he said, I love that idea. Would you be the guy? I said, what do you mean? He goes, be the guy in the movie. Bring your show over there. Yes. So like an idiot, I said, yes. By the way, there's a guy in the movie. He's my driver slash bodyguard. His yes. name is Eldar, and I yes. love this guy. Yes. And off camera, I say to him, Eldar, I'm glad you're with me because I feel very safe with you. He's a big guy. Yeah. And he says, uh, Mr. Rosenthal, I have to tell you, he looks around, he says, uh, Sony did not go for the gun package. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> really? And so that makes you feel all kinds of things. <laughs> like, first of all, oi. <laughs> Second of all, I'm not worth the gun package? Yes. Who's I'm yes. not even worth, like, a little gun for the guy? How hard what is if it? something happens? <laughs> well, I saw that movie with a packed audience. And the laughter, it just never stopped. It was so, you were so funny in it. Just I wasn't trying to be funny, honestly. No, I was trying to live. That, but <laughs> just the look on your face for everything that was happening. Isn't it a metaphor for everything? It's a metaphor for how people in your own house don't get what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. But you know, the no that you get creatively. Yes from the suits yes. is the same in any language, <laughs> yes, right? Absolutely. Then yet you get. So after we were finished, the head of the studio watched a screening and said, there's a line in the movie. Here's the line. Eldar, my bodyguard slash driver, mm -hmm. says to me, you remember the man that was uh, poisoned with the polonium? I said, yes, that was a famous case. Alexander uh, Ivanenko or something yeah. like this, right? I said, you knew that guy? He says, no. I know the one that poisoned him. <laughs> oh, God. A year ahead of me in college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in poisoning school. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, the head of the studio says, you got to cut that line out of the movie. I said, what do you mean? I would never cut that line. Yeah. He goes, you have to cut that line. I said, this is the funniest line in the movie. You can't cut it. It was so fantastic. He says, do you know who, who ordered that poisoning? I said, I don't know, Putin? He says, that's right, Putin. He says, what if Putin sees this movie and takes all our products off the shelves in Russia? Or worse. What do you mean worse? He poisons you and me? He says he's done it before. That's hilarious. Yes. First of all, you get this movie to Putin, I'm giving you an award for marketing. Yes. Like he's going to see exporting Raymond. Like he's got nothing yes. else to do. Yes. He's going to cancel things at the yes. Kremlin to go run this yes. thing. You hire the guy to manage yes. you after that. So... We have a screening. A third of the audience is Russian. Who likes the movie better than anyone? The Russians. Why? Because they're laughing at how it is there. Yes, they know it's the truth. They know it's true. And by the way, I'm not making fun of them. I'm the butt of the joke in that movie. Yes. They also love that line. And so yeah. I was allowed to keep it in. Incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. And it led to this show. It led to yeah. I'll Have What Phil's Having. The yes. food and travel show, yes. because PBS and saw I'm, that. Yes. Now, so and we have to talk about your food thing. So you, you went to restaurants all over the world, yes. right? And yes. that must have been a I, dream I, I, job for a foodie like yourself. Six episodes. And this was an idea that actually came from Raymond, from doing mm. that show. The end of season one of Raymond, I said to him, uh, what are you going to do for hiatus? He goes, oh, I go to the Jersey Shore. I said, that's nice. You ever been to Europe? He said, nah. I said, no, why not? I'm not really into other cultures. <laughs> Actually said that. I love that honesty. Is that That's fantastic? So great. Not really great. interested in other cultures. Yeah. Even his own culture, Italian. 
<laughs> and then it hit me, we got to do an episode where That's we send good. him over yeah. as him and <laughs> yes. send him back as Roberto Benigni <laughs> after he's been transformed by the magic of traveling and especially Italy and the food in Italy. And we did that episode. We did a special hour-long episode. I recommend that to people. It's like our little movie. We won awards for this. But the best thing that happened was that what I saw, what happened to Ray, the character, happened to Ray, the person. Oh. It really? hit him. It hit him. Every night. Oh, we're going, we're going, have you tried this pizza? Yes, Ray, I have. Oh, it's unbelievable. And what about this gelato? I get the chocolate and the coconut. It's the greatest combo. I'm like, yes, I know. I've been here. He goes, I, it's unbelievable. And he, he became a, a zealot. This is a Pygmalion with yes. you and Ray. Yes, yeah. yes. And that's when the light bulb went off. I said, I love doing that for someone. There's no greater high yes. than turning someone on to this. Yes. That was 10 years ago, wow. that episode. Wow. And so from then to now, yes. with everything else I've been working on, yes. this has always been my secret passion, my secret oh, dream. Dream, absolutely. And so PBS saw the Russia movie. They called me in for a meeting. I didn't know what it was about. They didn't know that I was trying to do this. Yes. They said, we like the idea of you going places. I said, so does my wife. <laughs> and they said, Where, do you have any ideas? I said, I happen to have an idea. <laughs> How about a show where I go around the world and I show you where to eat? And they said, we've been looking for a, a show to combine food, food and humor. Yes. So I call my brother and I say, I'm doing that. They give me six episodes. Go wherever I want. We're going to do this show. He goes, really? That's very interesting. What are you going to call this show? The Lucky Bastard? <laughs> that's a, we couldn't call it that on PBS. But that's the name of my production company for this show. Lucky Bastard. Lucky production. Bastard. But yeah. the whole show is motivated to get you to travel. Yes. With food and maybe yeah. humor yes. <laughs> as the way in, right? <laughs> I love you. I absolutely I'm do. Crazy about we you, love, David and we love Monica. And thank you so much for doing this. You're the most fun person and so talented. It's unbelievable. You're very Thanks. nice. Thanks. Here's a dollar. <laughs> I